Hello, and thank you for listening to this week's podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School in Kankakee, Illinois. This is a sermon for the week of March 17, 2019, the second Sunday in Lent. The sermon is entitled, What Do These Stones Mean? and is based on Joshua, chapter 4, verse 1 through 3, verses 19 through 24, and 1 Peter, chapter 2, grace verse 5. And God's peace it was preached by Pastor Carl Copeland. And our Savior, Jesus Christ. The text for the message comes from our Old Testament reading as well as our epistle reading from 1 Peter chapter 2, let us pray. Almighty God, we pray for your guidance, your direction, and your leading, not only in our lives, but also in your church. Bless us with ears to hear and hearts to lead. And as we gather, may the words of my my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, for you are our Maker and our Redeemer. Amen. If you uh, go out on 102 there uh, in Main Street in Bourbonnet, I think it's somewhere behind the Taco Bell, uh, there's a historical marker about Bourbonnet Grove. If you stop it and you read the sign, you find out that Bourbonnet Grove's first families came from Quebec's uh, upper St. Lawrence Valley in the 1830s and 40s. This settlement would become the largest 19th century French-Canadian village in Illinois. Some immigrants moved on to found other towns like St. Anne and Papinaw, as well as many others. I don't know about you, but there are a lot of times when I've been driving and you see that sign or some kind of stone uh, marker off the side of the road, and you, you know it's some kind of thing to tell you about something, but, uh, but you don't stop. And, and I often wonder about those signs and those stones. I recently uh, came across an article that piqued my interest, and I had to read it, because it it was something about, it said something about America's oldest federal monuments that are hardly ever visited. And they're in the Washington, D.C. area, and if you ever toured things like the Washington Monument, the Lincoln Memorial, the Jefferson Memorial, your tour probably did not take you to some of those oldest federal monuments. They're not connected with the battle. They're not merely historical markers, but they all are in Washington, the D.C. area. One of them is at the north end of a parking lot of the First Baptist Church in Alexandria, Virginia. The other is at Benjamin Banneker Park in Falls Church, Virginia. One is located in the front yard of a home in Western Avenue. Another sits out in the front of Master's Touch Praise Ministries in Oxon Hill, Maryland. Now, who in the world even notices that? I mean, each one is a, a single stone, maybe about two feet tall and about one foot square and And so what are these oldest federal monuments? What do these stones mean? Well, to find out, you need to go back to the Residence Act of 1790. It called for the creation of a new capital city for the United States. It divided up land that was previously belonging to Maryland and Virginia. It was a diamond uh, spanning 10 miles on each side and marked at each mile with a simple stone. These stones line the current and former boundaries of Washington, D.C. They're the boundary stones, if you will, of our nation's capital. And over the years, there was weathering and urban development and other factors. They've taken a toll on those stones. A ceremonial stone from 1794 still sits along the Potomac River at Jones Point, right where President George Washington 
asked his surveyors to start. Today it's tucked inside a, a seawall of a lighthouse, <laughs> uh, locked behind a metal gate in a concrete box. Each stone features the inscription, Jurisdiction of the United States on one side and Maryland or Virginia along the other, along with the year of their placement and the distance from the first stone. Over time, uh, the shape of the District of Columbia has changed uh, and leaving some of these stones in unusual locations and in various states. Some are situated along sidewalks, front yards. Others have been moved or have had to been replaced. A few have suffered poor fixes over time, and some have plaques either in place of the missing marker or affixed to the existing stone. And I'm sure that as people walk by, they see that there and they wonder, what do these stones mean? Why are they important? As we have been looking at our mission and vision for us as a church, I was in a meeting recently and I was reminded that we've had a lot of turnover uh, in the past 10 years since building this school. Many people are no longer here. Some have died. Some have moved to a new church, a, a new town, new state. Others have joined our fellowship. But many people don't know about our stones. It was during the capital campaign in 2007. I preached a sermon uh, on 1 Peter chapter 2, verses uh, 4 through 12. And we talked about the theme of the living stone and that, uh, that Jesus Christ, that he's the foundation for our faith and he's the foundation for our church. And we have built upon that foundation that Jesus fashions us as living stones, living stones to build his church. And so we are those living stones that God uses to do wonderful things. And it's interesting because it's a little shaky up here compared to last night's book. So we'll see. Don't breathe. Okay. <clears throat> On Palm Sunday that year, the gospel reading included uh, this from Luke 13, uh, 19. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And Jesus replied, If I, uh, I, I tell you, if they keep quiet, even the stones will cry out. Even the stones will cry out. That's where these stones come in. Our cornerstone is Jesus Christ. And these stones represent our foundation as a church and as a school. They, they, they illustrate what we are to be about. St. Paul's, as we at the time we talked about this, St. Paul's is here for two reasons, that we are to strengthen believers in Jesus Christ and we are here to reach the lost with the good news of Jesus Christ. And that weekend in worship, everyone was given a stone and a permanent marker, which is a real risk for the person preaching. Uh, and on one side of the stone, uh, we asked everyone to write down their first name only. And on the other side of the stone, we asked them to write down another first name, name of someone that they know, someone that they care about, someone that they love, but it's someone who does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord, as their Savior. It could be a family member, it could be a, a neighbor, it could have been a co-worker or a friend. And in that day and in subsequent weekend, weekends, people were given this opportunity to, to bring them forward and place them into a bucket. And, and those buckets were then emptied into boxes. And, and, and we also prayed that 
uh, asked people as they came to worship and they saw these stones, we had let them out for quite a while, uh, that they would take a moment and pray, pray for the names on, on both sides that were on, the, on these stones. Pray for the believers here, that they be strengthened and blessed in their walk of faith, and, and then pray for those names of those that don't know Christ yet. Pray for God to open up opportunities to share that good news of hope, that good news of peace with them. And perhaps God has used us to do just that. While we were building the school site, uh, the found, before the foundation was poured, we took uh, many of uh, those stones out here uh, on one Sunday afternoon, and we dug a trench in the shape of a cross, uh, and we placed those stones into the ground and, uh, and poured the foundation over them. And there's a picture of that on the back of your bulletin there uh, from that day. And so as you walk into the north entryway of the school here, you're going to walk over a cross created by carpet squares. That cross is directly over that cross trench that we dug that day. Those stones are now a part of our foundation. Those stones are a part of who we are and what we are as a church and as a school. A testimony of why we are here today and why we're going forward with that long-range plan of of, of reuniting that church and school together again in one location. It's a testimony. A testimony of why we continue with God's mission and vision for our church and school. The stones cry out. The reason we exist is to help people, both believers and unbelievers, know better the love and salvation of Jesus Christ now and into eternity. Now those stones are buried in concrete. They they don't hold lifeless names. Uh, through the power of God's Holy Spirit, working through His Word, they are living, breathing names, living, breathing human beings standing with us as we worship Christ in eternity. Now, it's been a, a bit under 10 years, uh, and uh, thankfully they got nice apps for this. It's uh, nine years, seven months, and 30 days ago, to be exact. <laughs> Uh, that the stones and the beams and the walls and the w- windows and the carpeting and all our work at the school was dedicated July 19, 2009. Stones meant a lot 10 years ago. They meant that at that time, our congregation saw the importance of our 145-year school ministry in Kankakee County. <clears throat> It means that we saw some problems with our old location. It means that we, we, we had the nostalgia of school children visiting the, school, the church sanctuary during the school day. <coughs> it means we, we saw the need for room for all of that as well as room to grow. And so a little under 30 acres was purchased and construction began. But what do these stones mean now? <coughs> What does the school building mean now, almost 10 years after it was dedicated? Heard the question in our reading, what do these stones mean? Now that's a question the Israelite children were going to ask their parents and grandparents years after the event of our text. Joshua made sure the Israelites that they would know the answer. They, they had been living in the wilderness for 40 years. They finally returned to a place where they had failed so miserably years before. They were at the Jordan River. And on one hand, things didn't look promising for them this time either. 
<coughs> there were times when the Jordan River wouldn't be too difficult to cross. But this crossing was different. Joshua chapter 3 tells us it was a flood stage. And the melting snows from Mount Hermon were coming in, caused the Jordan to overflow its banks, maybe making it about a half a mile wide. The width of the river, the speed of the water flow, the entangling branches underneath, <clears throat> all of them combined to make it nearly impossible for a group of probably about two million people, including small children and those in frail health, to cross over. It was for three days God allowed the people of Israel to camp there and really rack their brains for some kind of solution to realize there was a futility to each one. <clears throat> then Joshua said to the people, tomorrow the Lord is going to do amazing things among you. The next day, as soon as the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant, the symbol of God's presence, as soon as their feet touched the water's edge, the waters piled up upstream, and the entire Israelite nation was able to cross over on dry ground into the land of Canaan, into the land which was to become theirs according to God's promise. It was after this event that God commanded the building of that stone memorial. And when parents and, and their children passed by that in the future, there was going to be that question, right? What do these stones mean? What were the parents to tell their children about the meaning of those stones? <clears throat> well, it was not uh, a reminder of the perseverance of the Israelites during those years in the wilderness. They were not a reminder of the time when Joshua became a truly great and accepted leader in the eyes of the Israelites because these stones were not to say anything about the Israelites. Because if, if Israel had a memorial, it would have been a, a reed uh, swaying in the wind, uh, something totally unreliable and overwhelmed by its own frailty. Stones didn't say anything about or any representation of the Israelites. But those stones said a lot about the God of the Israelites. Tell them Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground, for the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan just what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord. What then do these stones mean? What do these stones mean at 340 East Merchant in Kankakee? What do these stones mean in, in 1780 Career Center Road mean? You know, I, I think I was wrong. I know I was wrong uh, when we said the stones were that visual that we are here to uh, uh, strengthen believers in Christ and reach the loss of the good news of Christ. Because as a people of God, we follow in the footsteps of the Israelites, right? As a people of God, we've sinned and we've offended God. And let us not think that these stones, or for that matter, this congregation has been in existence for 160 years, serve as any sort of memorial to ourselves. Let us not think that these stones say anything about us. But they do say a lot about our God. Maybe it's better to say it this way, that we exist to be used by God to strengthen believers in Christ, and, and that we exist to be used by God 
to reach the lost with the good news of Jesus Christ. So what do these stones mean? What do they mean to us? Well, first, the stones tell us that God has been good. They remind us that he does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our sins. Far from it. God has blessed us and allowed us to prosper as individuals and as a congregation. And the truth is, is that he has done something with those sins. He has treated those sins like the grass of the field instead of treating us that way. And as we read and study God's word, we realize that unless Christ returns again in glory beforehand, one day we will cross a river too. That's the river of death. A river because of our sins is, is running at flood stage. It's a turbulent, churning monster of sins that we have committed. And, and if we were to trust in just our own righteousness to cross over, we would be swept away. But 2,000 years ago, God's Son stepped into that river for us, for you and for me, taking on the full force of those waters for you and me. And not only did He, he take the full force of it in our place, by his suffering on the cross, but he stopped them entirely when he rose from the dead. See, those waters will never reach you and me, not even when we step into the river of death and cross over into eternal life. God has been good. Secondly, these stones tell us that God, not us, has done great things. Over the course of 160 years as a church and 155 years as a school, the people of God in this place have given a lot. We've given of our, our time and our talents and our treasures to do great and wonderful things in our community and in our world. And if we were to list all those things over the years, that would be quite a long list. But none of those things are the reason that these stones got here. And none of us are the reason that they have stayed here. All the time, all the effort, all the sweat and tears, all the money given, all the sacrifices, all of the talent shared that went into constructing <clears throat> three different church buildings and, and I think it's probably about uh, three or four or five school buildings over 160 years. All those things were a gift from the God who gives us the time and treasure. And a list of all the things that we're doing now, they're done with the talents and abilities that are also a gift from our good and gracious God. The very fact that these stones were here t under 10 years ago, and the fact that they're still here today, today remind us that God is powerful and at work in this place. God caused the Jordan River to stop for the Israelites so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful. God has placed the buildings of this congregation and this school and we as his people here today as a testimony to his power, his grace, the power of his hand. Finally, the stones tell us something, some things for the future. <clears throat> when Joshua gives the Israelites the explanation about the meaning of their stones, he mentions the crossing of the Jordan, but he also reaches back 40 years to the crossing of the Red Sea. <clears throat> In other words, the Israelites were to understand something about their God, namely, 
that he's a God that does not change. His ability, his commitment to care for his people does not waver or change with time. Forty years earlier when they needed to cross the Red Sea, God made sure they were able to do just that. Now when they needed to cross the Jordan River, God made sure they were able to do just that. And if some crisis were to arise in 40 years in the future, and they needed to do something in order to deal with it, God would make sure they were able to do it. More precisely, God would do it for them. Prophet Samuel said something similar 400 years later. Israel had won a great battle against the Philistines, and Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 7, we read, Samuel took a stone, he set it up between Mitzvah and Shen, he named it Ebenezer, saying, thus, thus far the Lord has helped us. In other words, Samuel was telling the Israelites, God had gotten them this far, and he would continue to get them further. My friends, that's also true of St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School. These stones remind us that God has taken us far in 160 years and will continue to do so in the future. How can we be sure of that? Well, because of the stones. Not these stones. Not the ones that make up the church downtown. Not the ones that make up this school building. Not even the ones underneath the cross and the carpet and the entryway of the school. We can be sure that God will continue to lead us in the future because of the stones in front of me. In his first letter, Peter uh, says there's a far more amazing building than the one we sit in today, far more meaningful memorial uh, than the ones the Israelites brought from the Jordan River. He says, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You see, for 160 years, God has taken the people in this place. The people have been filled with sin. And he has made those souls alive. And he is building them into a spiritual house called the church. You are those stones. The people of God at St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School. All of our sacrifices, all of our times in the study of God's word, all of our acts of love and service, all of our times of worship and praise, all of our moments of care and concern, those sacrifices lead those who see them to look at us living stones and say, what do these stones mean? And they ask, let's give them an answer. That these living stones, God's people, mean that God raises the spiritually dead through the forgiveness that Jesus has earned for us. That these physical stones in which we gather today mean that God has been good to the living stones that began St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School. That the living stones, those around us today, with whom we gather, uh, mean that God has been good and gracious and merciful and forgiving to you and me. That these living stones, us, we've been claimed by Jesus Christ. We are a witness that God has been good we are a witness that, that God has done great things. We are a witness. We are a witness that God has done great, that has great things in store for us in the future. So what, what are the next 160 years have in store for St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School? Honestly, I, 
I have no idea. But I do know that God knows. And I know that His plans are good ones. And I know that He has done great things in us and He plans to do great things through us. And He's done wonderful things for us in the future and even more into eternity. So what do these stones mean? They mean that God is great all the time. May He continue to use us for His glory and His mission. Amen. Please rise. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School in Kankakee, Illinois. You can find this and other podcasts by going to stpaulslutheran.net and clicking the sermons button at the top of the page. Thank you for listening and God's blessings.